experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. You know, up until about a month ago, it seemed like the bulls were in full control of the market. Not only was the S&P 500, but the Dow Industrials, Dow Transports, and the NASDAQ 100, well, they were all hitting new highs. And even some of the more obscure indices like the value line arithmetic and geometric indexes, well, they were clearing their previous high water marks too. Yeah, things look pretty darn good. And if you're a regular listener, you know that makes me a little bit worried. I saw the Bellwether Apple, symbol AAPL, the largest stock in the world, by the way. I own it. Clients own it. Apple didn't make that leap to a new high when all the other indices are. They didn't make that leap to the new high despite having a blowout earnings report announcing a huge buyback announcement. Well, it worries me. I look back at that time, three, four weeks ago, the VIX was hovering around 17. And that's a, uh, a indicator that I use to gauge risk in the market. And in my humble opinion, 17 is just too low. It was low because 90% of the stocks were in the indice were trading above their 50 and 200 day moving average. Everything was going higher. It was a full on party. And the theme of the party was liquidity. Now, you don't have to fight for your right to party, as the Beastie Boys would say. Now, you didn't have to do that because it was being given to you. We had unprecedented amounts of fiscal and monetary stimulus. We still do. The Treasury fired up the printing presses and the dollars started rolling off by the truckload. That's the monetary side. And then on the fiscal side, well, <laughs> if you got money, you might as well spend it, right? Seems like trillion dollar spending packages are becoming the norm in Washington. So what could go wrong? If you keep printing money, it becomes less valuable till the point becomes not worth a whole lot, right? And that eventually leads to inflation. That's when the cost of things rise. And in April, we saw the things of uh, the cost of things rise by about 4.2%. That's the consumer price index. CPI was up 4.2%. Back in January, during my annual outlook, I addressed this, and you can find it on our website, which is xmlfg.com. I said that I thought we'd have a bout with inflation, but that it would be more transitory in nature, meaning as we open up, well, things would, uh, you know, heat up a little bit. You know, we have businesses reopening. There's a lot of demand for goods and things like that. So it made perfect sense that you would have some type of inflation pickup. But I also thought that it would eventually settle down and the Fed wouldn't have to do much of anything. Well, my thinking on this has changed a little bit. The Fed has orchestrated a, this once-in-a-lifetime bonanza, and it's the Fed that can spoil the party here, too, at least temporarily. And they can do that by taking the tap off the keg. 
My view now is that the Fed's going to have to relent and taper their asset purchases. Basically, that's me saying they're going to have to take some money out of the system and mop up some of this excess liquidity. And the market may not like that. And they're going to do it because inflation's going to pick up, not in a transitory way, but in a more semi-permanent way. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think that we're in a bull market. That hasn't changed. But I do think a lot of the easy money has already been made. And in the short term, we'll probably see some more volatility. Who knows? I'm not a market timer. I'm not an economist. But it seems to me that this readjustment period, well, it isn't over yet. I think you're going to find good buying opportunities sometime this summer. And if I'm right, the tech stocks are probably going to continue to lag and the financials should do fairly well, right, with interest rates going up. But what's on the top of my list right now are the drug stocks, both the big farmers and the biotechs. You always have to do your own research and see if they make sense for you. Just don't take my word for it. That's crazy. Seems to me that there's a lot of bad news priced into these names. As a matter of fact, for the big drug makers as a group, they're trading at about a 40% discount to the S&P 500 which I believe is probably the lowest it's been since the early 90s. Now, that D-rating, probably deserved, because they are defensive-type names, and those aren't really the stocks that do the best when you're coming out of a recession. And on top of it, you had this almost unanimous outcry over industry pricing. But I think that we've gotten to a point where they're just so cheap compared to the rest of the market, that even if you get a whiff of positive news, you could see a pretty decent rally in these names. And that positive could very, poss- could very possibly be in the form of profits, which I think that are they're set to pick up here in the next year or so. And I think an early sign of that is coming from the CEOs themselves in that their CapEx is actually picking up dramatically. Their capital outlays look like they're rising at about a 20% clip. Again, that's something that we haven't seen since the early 90s either. Shipments are rising at uh, roughly double-digit rates. Output is expanding. There's just a lot of good signs that I see here. Yes, there are a couple of things that keep me from backing up the truck on on these stocks. One is, yeah, their pricing is under attack. And two, when your pricing is under attack, your margins are probably going to get squeezed along with it. But when I sit down and I net it all out, I'm weighing the good against the not so good. I think this is a time when you start looking at them, you start buying or or adding to the names you have. My favorites, as many of you already know, are uh, Johnson & Johnson, symbol J&J, Merck which is symbol MRK. I'll tell you, Merck actually looks particularly cheap to me. Those are the ones that I own for myself and for clients. But if you prefer something like a Pfizer, symbol PFE, or a Lilly, uh, which is LLY, Bristol-Myers, BMY, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. I think they're all looking pretty inexpensive. Now, as for the biotechs, 
there are four reasons I have here why I think you should start looking at them. First is I think you're going to see some more mergers and acquisitions uh, within that industry. Even among, even among the bigger names in this space, you do have some smaller companies getting together now, but you also have the bigger pharma names that may be looking um, you know, the big pharma names, the ones that I just talked about, I think they may be looking because they have a lot of cash and they're always looking to extend their pipelines of drugs under development. So you could have the big farmers come in and start buying the biotech stocks and consolidating. Second, as long as you have this massive party going on, party and liquidity, some of it's going to find its way to the more speculative names in healthcare, namely the biotechs. Third, seems like the analysts have given up on the stocks. Relative sales growth expectations are actually negative. And believe it or not, the S&P biotech dividend is roughly sitting around 2.5%, which is way more than a 10-year treasury, but it's also then the dividend on the S&P 500 itself. Finally, not only do you have the dividend that's saying these stocks are cheap, but on a forward PE basis, the group is trading at about a 50% discount to the S&P 500, half price. I think it's time to go against the grain. I think investors are too pessimistic on these names. And my absolute favorite in the group is Regeneron, which is symbol R-E-G-N. I'd buy that one under 500, just because I'm cheap like that. Again, do your own research. Make sure it fits in with your plan. If you need help, well, let us know. Our number is 301-770-5234. One last name I do want to mention before I have to get out of here is Archer Daniels Midland. Symbol ADM. We just started buying it uh, two, three weeks ago. And I know when I said ADM, I just heard this collective yawn out of everyone. But don't judge. You know what management just said a couple of weeks ago when they released their earnings for the quarter? They said, here's the quote, they're even more optimistic than what they shared at the beginning of the year. We expect significant year-over-year growth in earnings across all three of our businesses in 2021 and continued sustainable growth in the years to come. So let's back up for a second. Who are they and what do they do? Basically, they're a global agricultural and food company. They have three parts to their business. The biggest is what they call the ag services and oil seeds, which account for more than 75% of their sales. They process things like corn, wheat, vegetable oils, so you know, all the food ingredients. They also produce biodiesel and ethanol and that type of stuff. They have what they call the carbohydrate solutions, which account for about 13% of sales. And another 10% of sales comes from the nutrition segment. That's the healthy food ingredients. That's been a big grower for them. So the big part of the business, the ag and oil seed part, that's the cash cow. And it's a cash cow because over the years, they've become very, very efficient in their sourcing and processing. And the cash that they generate from that business allows them to return capital to shareholders through their dividend and also reinvest in things like the nutrition business, which, as I said, is the faster, 
faster growing part of the business. From a valuation perspective, I think the analysts are way too low. And frankly, I have mine much higher than what they have. And I could certainly be wrong. The consensus, uh, the current consensus mean is for them to earn about $4.29 a share this year and $4.28 for 2022. So the mean consensus believes that earnings are going to go down for them next year. Whereas I think that they're going to earn more like $5 this year and $5.20 next year. So there's a big gap there between me and the current consensus. So if I'm right, the stock is trading at about 13 times this year's estimates and about 12 times next year's. I think that's inexpensive. But again, I'm the outlier here, and this isn't the kind of stock that I want to own for forever. And I'll be able to talk more about it on upcoming uh, upcoming shows, but I'm out of time for today. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. I'm Eric Whiteman, and this has been Common Sense Investing. Listen to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talk about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and are not necessarily those of the XML Financial Group. I typically own and trade the securities I'm discussing, both personally and for my clients, but not all of them. Likewise, employees of XML and our affiliate broker dealer may be trading and providing advice regarding the securities I mentioned to their clients as well. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, you should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I suggest you get someone who's qualified in those areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. I like to make projections and other forward-looking statements, which are just that, opinions and are not actual results and are only valid as of the date of this recording. Things change constantly. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.